Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, guys. I hope everyone is really well. Sending you all lots and lots of love. Are you ready for episode two of the Flip Your Week podcast? I am so excited to share this week's guest. Hey, this is Flip Your Week with Max. All about creative people that never give up till they reach success and desires and true happiness. And we all need to just like love and support each other. And that's what I think this new generation of artists is doing. What's up? Flipping our wig with Max. <laughs> Last year, I watched his film. It's called Thunder Road, and um, the title was inspired by a Bruce Springsteen song. It made me cry. It made me laugh. I felt so emotionally connected with the man that made this film. He wrote it, he directed it, and he also starred in it. His name is Jim Cummings, and he is pretty awesome. We got to meet last year as well, and I'm so glad that he was everything I wanted him to be. Funny, smart, so open to like sharing and giving us the blueprint on how he did it. This conversation um, was just like awesome. We spoke for ages. He was in LA, I was in London earlier this week and you do not want to miss it, especially if you are a creative right now that's feeling a little bit stuck and just want some inspiration. Jim is going to help you. Before you get to hear that chat, I just want to say a thank you on behalf of myself and the team for every single person that enjoyed episode one with BAFTA award winning Mark Jenkin. Those of you that tweeted, those of you that went on Instagram, also on flipyourwig.net, just to share how much you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It totally made our day. For those of you that missed that chat, it is currently still online. You can enjoy it. There's more info in the show link. And here is a little bit of a taste of what you missed. Don't listen to your head. Never, your head is an idiot. Because your head just thinks about things, and thinking's the worst thing. You've got to follow your gut. You know that old theory of the three brains: your gut, your heart, and your head. And your gut's the most important one. Your heart is helpful, and this one is will just confuse you. Right now, though, get comfortable, grab a cup of tea or a coffee. You are going to love this week's guest. Meet Jim Cummings. Hi there. Are you Jimmy or no? I am. Hi. I represent a local law firm. I'm here to serve you those papers. From a law firm? Am I getting sued? What am I getting sued for? Not my concern. You won't be able to see her. She's just going to be living with me. Hey, sweetie. Fine, just keep going. Okay. I'm sorry, honey. Do we have to go that fast? That wasn't fast. Both currently in lockdown. I'm in London. You're in LA. Jim, first question. Um, how intense are things for you at the moment? How many precautions are you taking to stay safe and healthy? It's bad. Like, I have four gallons of isopropyl alcohol that I bought from Facebook Marketplace when in early March. Um, my dad is 84, and so I can't really be lenient with some of yeah. this stuff. And so because of that, I'm thinking about all the people around mm. me and seeing other people, mm. like, in America where they're like, oh, nobody's going to tell me I can't ride my jet ski. Like, that whole mentality is so dangerous and so pervasive yeah, around really... us um, that I have to mm. take it more seriously, I guess. No, I, I completely understand. I think I'm in the middle of both because I kind of feel like this is serious. But I think there's also a part of me that does think, oh, my God, do they know what they're doing? Because it just feels like we're given so much inconsistent information. Yeah. And um, do the masks actually work, depending on what mask you're wearing? Um I obviously wish everybody good health and I hope everybody's looking after themselves. It's funny that you said the thing about the jet ski. Over here, in places like Cornwall, which are predominantly a lot of older people live and yeah. beautiful parts of the, con the country, rich folk from London that um, own huge properties there 
all decided to go after lockdown, some of them, and um, one of them is um, Gordon Ramsay. And he's down there with his whole family, and he's obviously really famous. So he's going out on these long cycle rides, going to the beach, and the locals are so upset. They're just like, this guy is taking the piss. Go back to London. Why are you here? And it's, it's really, like, it is a bit insane, but it kind of does make you think privilege and that kind of sense of... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, I can do what I want, but actually, you know, there's a lot of elderly people in Cornwall, so once you were locked down, perhaps you should have just stayed in London. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. I mean, that, that I've seen that a lot in the British news, where people are kind of making fun of different um, uh, English celebrities for crying and whining about being in their multi million dollar homes yeah. and like being in lockdown there. And and it is there is a mm. gap. I, I think we we do tend to look at these people and kind of um, poke fun at them because they have things that m- most of us don't have. And it's easy to be like, oh, they're they're elevated from us and they they're they're distant. They have no idea what it's like to be an actual. Um, Brit or an actual American, mm. um, and, and really, that's that's such a small. It's a, it's a good thing because they're an easy target to be able to hit and be like, yeah, you might have the virus. Don't be riding your bike past the elderly. Like, don't do it. Um, and that can be a really wonderful thing to to make fun of Gordon Ramsay and scare a thousand people from doing it themselves. Um, yeah, the majority of the people that I see on the street mm. are just. Americans who are just like, all right, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to affect me. It's just these like bizarre. And and it's terrible to say that it's not even selfish. Like these people have to go to work. So it's like because of the way that our systems, Mm. the architecture of our society has been built, um, they they do have to go outside and they do have to not wear a mask and they do have to break social distancing rules for certain things. And so it's like it's a. I don't know how we're going to fix it. Like a vaccine is probably the only way to really fix it. Mm. But then also. Boris Johnson just said today it's possible that we don't get one, like that it, that it may it may never work mm. uh, the vaccine, and we have to kind of prepare for that. Um, but do you know, yeah, do you know what I could I could go into such a deep one with you about this, and I really want to talk to you about your like everything you do as well away from COVID nineteen. But <laughs> I am wondering, how drawn in are you with all the conspiracy stuff? Like you know, like all this stuff about herd herd immunity. They deliberately made this call. They shouldn't have put all of us in. They should have put the ones that were at risk, the elderly and people with um, health conditions, rather than the whole population. Um, I was not getting sucked into all of this. Then I took some time to watch and read, and I can't lie. A part of me is a little bit like, hmm. Tony Robbins is somebody I respect. Tim. Ferris is somebody sure. I respect. I don't know I if know you know these guys. And they all, yeah, they're all giving time and attention to this alternative conversation around the decisions that are being made and honestly Jim it's made me kind of feel a little bit like 
I don't know what's going on here entirely. I think I think that's yeah. Tim Ferriss. I heard his podcast with Joe Rogan, and I think he does tend to lean mm. towards like the crazy um, wackadoodle theories that I don't I don't think are are relevant or true. Um, and and also he suffers none of the consequences that a normal journalist would have if they printed something that wasn't true. Yeah. So because of that, um, he, he doesn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Um, so I I do think there are scary things of like local governments especially in in uh, in America saying you know a mask doesn't help prevent the virus from coming in it actually just prevents it from like you if you have it to pass it to somebody else and they said that in the beginning as a means of maintaining all to get as many masks as they could for healthcare workers and so I think that is a weird, messed yeah. up conspiracy theory that probably hurt people. And, and then they changed their minds about it six months or six weeks later. Um, you know, I think that there are things yeah. in the newspaper that are scary enough to be like, wait, why did we? Why? Well, of course. Yeah, it's a virus. It's probably airborne. Like, of course, you need to wear a mask to cover mm -hmm. your face. Why did they say that? Like, I, I think I, there are things like that that I see that I'm like, yeah, um, that is a really weird, messed up thing that the government did um, as a means of saving more lives. But yeah, I don't know. I I I don't go down. So, I don't go down the rabbit hole too much. How has it affected your work? Let's 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 talk a bit about work and filming and all that stuff. Because South by Southwest obviously was the first thing that we started hearing was going to get postponed. Take me back to that firstly when you realised. One of my favorite festivals isn't going to happen. So that's crazy that you bring that up. That was the real wake-up call for me and my friends, where we were in this apartment, we were editing uh, our new feature, the beta test, and I had a couple of filmmaker buddies over, and uh, and then we saw online that South by Southwest got canceled. And then I just went through all of the rigmarole of, well, that's $360 million that's going into the city and they had to cancel it. Like, mm -hmm. that is a huge deal. And then I was like, I was like, okay, we're not going to do any work today. And so like, we just opened some beers and turned the news on and then walked in the neighborhood. And that was the last time that I socialized with people. And that was early March. It was like a week before wow. the festival. And then I was talking to my mom about it and she was like, Honey, imagine if that was your year, if that was the year that you won South by Southwest and it got canceled, like all of the yeah. incredible promotion, all the eyeballs, all the interest that like people that, that is that incredible festival. And it just got me so sad for this entire generation of kids who worked their ass off just as much as I did, if not harder, to then have it kind of pulled out from under them. It's just it was just too it became very big to me of like. Oh no, we have to do something. We have to do something. And so behind the scenes, we were trying to, you know, talking to South by Southwest and trying to figure out what we could do. Could we host satellite screenings if they were safe? We have like a screening room at our company um, yeah. to be able to host, you know, press and 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 uh, and buyers potentially. And then they were already working out an Amazon deal, and so it was kind of nobody really. It was all very chaotic. Um, the festival did a great job of like turning it into a digital festival in no time at all. But still, it was just mm. it was the first real time that. Uh, like my consciousness changed of uh, that, that this was not going to go away. Yeah. But it was really cool the way that you still find that time not to just think me, myself, my team, my friends, my girlfriend, my family. You actually stop to actually think, okay, well, how can I help these guys and people that have put their time into their creative art? And I noticed that when you put the message up, I looked at your timeline and there were so many people just saying, hey, here's a link of my film. And I thought that was so cool because it was just like, that's so nice that you've had that moment and you're now trying to find a way of offering support and what can we do rather than just sit there and think, let's protect our own shit. It is a really weird, selfish endeavor, though, because we went through so much hell trying to get anybody to watch our stuff um, early on. Yeah. I personally did that if I get to do that for people in the next generation, I get to be a time traveler and I get to help myself out in the past. And that's a really wonderful feeling. Um, and so, yeah, I do that as much as I possibly can. How has work been affected now? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you still yeah. sleeping around, <laughs> shooting in between things? I mean, how, how is it working? No. Uh, You're so, laughing, so yeah, tell it's, me. um, it's, uh, it's been interesting. I've been very, very lucky because I, um, am an editor myself for all of our projects. Um, I get to edit kind of wherever and I have a, uh, an iMac at my house and I can do all of the sound design and, and editing and some color correction at home. And I was already planning on doing that before all of this. So 
functionally, nothing has really changed for me. I was planning on already working in my home studio, but then a lot of stuff changes. You can't go to a final studio space to mix the movie. You can't mm -hmm. go to a color correction suite and work with a colorist to make the movie look pretty. Um, and then also with all of this happening as a creative, everything is so interesting to me right now. Like I want to learn how everybody's handling this thing. Okay. And so I end up just going on the news and then mm -hmm. only spending probably two or three hours a day doing anything close to what you would call work. Um, it's I would love to know your screen time. I bet your screen time is <laughs> oh, awful. Oh, man. I don't know what it would be this week. Uh, yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll have to find it out and you can post it in the, in the notes. Um, yeah, it's I'll have bad, to say right? how to do it. Yeah, it's got to no, be. I oh, it's got to be. It's got to be. And then I looked up, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, I looked up mine and it was like, you, you've been off your phone, uh, you know, four hours less than you were last week. And it's like, oh, wow, that's still a huge that's amount. Bad. Yeah. So you had the film shot. So the next film, the film that you oh my on, god, you had it all it's shot. So lucky, so lucky. Yeah, Is that right? yeah, we were so lucky. You're so blessed. Like, hello, lucky yeah. you guys. Yeah. So we shot. I we mean, shot two movies in the last year, three movies in the last two years, including Thunder wow. Road. Wow. Yeah, Thunder Road. Congratulations. The Thank you. The Werewolf is a werewolf movie um, that we made with my first studio. It's my first studio movie, um, and we shot that last yep. March. And then, uh, and mm -hmm. then we finished the beta test, our new film about Hollywood in December. And so it was just perfect timing. I got to spend two whole months with my co-director, um, workshopping it in the yeah. edit. And then now it's just kind of me on my lonesome. How are you finding working alone? Like, um, I don't know if I'm assuming that you live with your girlfriend or somebody that you're with, but, um, are you good at working alone or do you drive yourself nuts? Like, how do you balance it? When, when I was working with PJ, he's my co-writer and co-director in the beta test. And we just get so, uh, like, jam, like, we jam sessions so much in the editing suite and also in the writing sessions um, where we feed off of each other's energy. And uh, and if there isn't that, then there is such low energy. And so, like, I have to I have to stack my computer on boxes so to make I it mean. a standing like, desk. Where do you yeah. get it? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I do. I have like a pull-up bar in the in the bedroom, and I can like you know do pull-ups, and then I, I work out and run twice a day. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where you get a okay. coffee. I don't know. Yeah, I, I end up just like trying to wake myself up and snap out of it in order to do stuff. But it's it's very difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult to focus on kind of anything mm. nowadays. But I think it's good though, because like I'm glad that you're doing all that stuff. Because I think we stopped as we had a whole series of podcasts and we had all these guests booked and we wanted to film them in a certain way in a certain location. And I was just like, no, we're not putting out the first episode till we can do everybody else. Right. And then I just got to a point where I was just sat there last week and I was like, this is not going to change for a while. Do you realize this, Max? Every publicist you're talking to, everybody to do with cinema is telling you no releases potentially till October. Yep at the cinemas and, and cinemas opening in the UK properly again. This is a whole different time for our industry. So we have to adapt. And I was just like, fuck it, let's just adapt. And let's, let's start booking people that we love, that we can talk to, that we can record and just accept that everything may not be perfect. You know, there might be pixelation in the footage. The audio might not be perfect, but you've got to, you've just got to get on with it really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's crazy that <laughs> you know I, I yeah, you, you have those realizations like once a week sometimes of just like you end up being mm. so down and out and then you're like, yeah. all right, well, this is happening. It's not going to change. Like now I just have to do the thing. Like, yeah. like now I have to kind of like kick into gear and, and act as though this is the new normal. Uh, and yeah, I, I end up slipping in and out of that. Of like, I'll watch yeah. a great movie. And then after the credits start to mm. roll, I'm like, wow, that was great. Oh yeah, there's a global pandemic. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah how do you how 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 are you meant yeah. to, to keep yeah, creating I, it's but even away from that sometimes i feel really bad because i'll say i miss going to the cinema i go to the cinema twice a week it's not fair and then people will be like max are you really gonna moan about not going to the cinema but it's such a big part of my life like going to the cinema i go every week and the thought of like it not being open like any cinemas till at least october it's just it's just yeah i mean i hate to say it you know, it's gonna it's a be weird one. i yeah, I think it's going to be later than that, Max. I don't think it's going to be October. I know that's like oh, a, God, I know. Jim, I'm no. so sorry. I become uh, become the Grim Reaper. Uh, but yeah, it's. What are you predicting? I 
Yeah, I mean, so the fastest that a vaccine has been produced was in the 1940s oh for God. mumps. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, it took four years. Obviously, now we have supercomputers that can help out with that um, to speed things along. And we're already doing human testing in eight different places around the world. Um, but still, yeah. it's it's it takes forever to mass produce these things. Like if you think about it, we're going to have to give these vaccines to six billion people. Eight billion people. Mm. That will take a very, very long time. It starts out, and there's a harmonica. And this girl walks out on her porch, and she's listening to Roy Orbison. And back in the day, Roy Orbison used to sing songs for sad and lonely people, so they wouldn't be sad and lonely anymore. It's a beautiful song. You can find it. Actually, the whole thing's on YouTube. I have it on my phone. I could have just done that now that I think about it. Uh, I'm just going to do it. Sorry. I think we were all, as a team, touched by what you did and how you did it and how you continue to do what you're doing. Everybody watched your film. <laughs> and I find this slightly something for us all to think about. We all related to that character in some way. When he was having his worst day of his life, what felt like a breakdown, all of us in our hearts connected with this dude. That's crazy. He did something so very special, isn't it? It means that we're all kind of a little bit messed up, I guess. Yeah, I think there's something to that of like, there's something inside of everybody who's gone through hell to be like, oh, I've, that's, yeah, I, I know, I know that feeling or like, oh, I just, you just, it's like an empathy machine. You just want to like yeah. give the guy a hug a little bit. It's a, yeah, it's a funny thing. You feel like you know the guy by the end of the film. It's weird. It was funny in an uncomfortable way, but um, it was, it was like, you did want to cry and we did, I cried. I think everybody I know cried at some point. Do you remember, was there any key moment for you when you, when that film was viewed for the first time, whether it was your circle of friends, somebody you'd worked with, or seeing it at a festival, was there a moment where somebody touched you or something was said to you that really made you think, shit, I've done something really special here? Oh, yeah. So um, at the premiere, it was very early on. So uh, there were times where we would show it to people who are friends. And I think they were all very judgmental because a lot of my friends are filmmakers as well. And so they're like analyzing what's going on and not really watching the movie. And then only afterwards did it really sink in that they liked it. Um, but then we showed it in Park City. Um, or sorry, in Salt Lake City, we had like a satellite screening at Sundance uh, for the short film. And uh, it was just like a regular crowd. It wasn't a film going crowd. It was just people who wanted yeah. to support Sundance and they could come in from um, Salt Lake City. And so we had the screening. And as I was talking to people in the lobby, people wanted to come up and ask about how we did the short. And, uh, and this guy in this kind of like big like jacket um, was like wearing this jacket and he like was walking out. <laughs> And he, uh, and he tapped his heart. He pointed at me when, we, when he was like, walking past. So he tapped me on the shoulder and pointed at me. And he said, my mom. And then, and then left the, the lobby. And I was like having to cry while talking to other people. And it was just this one moment of like, that guy said two words to me. But they meant the world of like, okay, it was directly relatable to what my life experience has been see you later and then he like walked out and leaving me to finish a conversation <laughs> with, with strangers my mother was a extremely charitable woman she loved bruce springsteen she used to sing thunder road to me when i was going to sleep everything go okay everything went normal it starts out and there's a harmonica <laughs> has testimony that you practiced reckless behavior at funerals. I lost my daughter in hell! Stay Stop. down! Stop! You ruined my back! You hit me! And you ruined my life! I never ruined your life! You ruined I saw that goddamn video! Who danced out of you? In my culture we do! Is that right? What? This is the Preview Week Podcast. I'm Max, and my special guest is Jim Cummings. When Thunder Road dropped last year, I feel like everyone instantly fell in love with it. Like, I can't think of anyone that didn't like it. I feel like you got so much praise from the critics and also fans. Did it feel like everyone was into it? I mean, did you see anybody that didn't like it? Yeah, I, one of my favourite negative reviews of the movie, um, and there are and there are plenty, but one of my favourites was... Oh, um, there? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple, yeah. Um, uh, but but there, was a, there was a good one. Haters, this, um, hate, hate, hate. This, this English uh, journalist was in Cannes, 
and she was on TV, and she she says she's really popular. I forget her name; it's, it's escaped me. But she said, um, "A lot of the people okay. that I don't give me a name because we'll start." Yeah, I want names. I'm gonna take her down. Uh, no, she said she said I didn't enjoy the film very much. I kept on looking at my watch, but a lot of the people around me seemed what? to really enjoy it. And when I asked people at the grocery store later, they said that they loved it. And it was like she she was like, "So I people really loved it. I just happened to not like it." And I thought that was the kind negative yeah. review I've ever heard of like it, mm. it she she was like oh it's just a it's just something that I didn't understand or I didn't really like it that mm. much and some people dig it I thought that was great you're you've got new opportunities now with the success of Thunder Road you were on Netflix yeah hello yeah um so how do you balance that? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. So I just read a script last night for like a major franchise, and I was I was like, I, they were, the the producers reached out and said, would you consider reading it um, uh, to play a part, not to direct or, or co-write or anything like that, just to potentially play one of these characters? And I read it, and yeah. it was it was definitely the first Thank time you. where I was like, oh, this is a very different, non-overlapping thing to what I'm doing on the side, but. <laughs> To be honest, like in the same way that we're able to record this in our living rooms, that's kind of been how I make all of our indie films. Like the, our studio werewolf yeah. movie was much bigger. It was like 60 people on a film set in the freezing cold. Um, but yeah. then with the beta test, it was probably six or seven people on the crew. Like really by doing those things, it could help me to be able to make three mm -hmm. independent films that might do better, that might you know intrigue audiences more which is a crazy thing like but are you because i like doing both yeah okay i don't know people say you can't i say you can i like indie and i also like mainstream and that's with music and film and i don't understand why we have to be one or the other well, also like i wouldn't get work in hollywood if i weren't doing this <laughs> stuff on my own like there there is something like yeah. the the movies that we make in our backyards with our friends is the only thing that's getting people interested like if i was if i had written a great screenplay nobody would be calling me to you know write on something but because i'm doing all of these other independent films that's the one value that people see in us like yeah, I, I, I think that you yeah. have to be making your own stuff. You know this, but like you have to be generating your own stuff to prove that mm. you are capable to do it. It's like it's never been easier to make movies. It's never been easier to make podcasts like the, there's it's just a great time yeah. to be creating yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is there an ambition? Because growing up, I'm sure you watched those big blockbuster films yeah. and had your favorites. So is there a desire to be in Hollywood or to be a part of the mainstream world a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure. I, it, I mean, the, the, the benefit mm. to it isn't necessarily getting more people to see it because, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job of getting people to see Thunder Road and we did all of that independently. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like I would, I'm only really, I mean, I, I acted in a big franchise movie last October, September, and that was a cool thing. It was like, you know, I'm, what I can't film? say. It, I, I'm not, I don't. I want to surprise. Oh I, not, I don't think. I don't think that they've announced. Okay, so how big? Tenant? Was it Tenant? No, it wasn't, it wasn't Tenant. I'm not gonna play. I'm was not gonna you? play this game with you. I can't. I can't you? play this game with you. Oh my god! Why? Um, well, no. This, <gasps> this is they, exciting. Can you? Okay. Okay. Stop, please. Just a few clues. Come on. We've been really serious throughout this podcast. Let's have a bit of fun. No, because you're gonna clues. guess. And then I'm going to have to, oh, I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm going to have to, well, because my face is very readable wow. and I know you're going to guess the right answer. And then I'm going to go, wow. I can't say. Wow. Um, so, wow. okay, well, here, here you go. Here you go. It was, it, was a, it was a wonderful big movie that I was honored to be a part of because I respect the director so much. And this director mm -hmm. encouraged me to make movies when I was 14 or 15. And I looked up to this person and said, that you know, I could do that. I could make those kinds of movies. When you were thirteen. See, okay, now you're trying to solve the Zodiac murders. <laughs> like, I... yeah, it's fine. I don't care. It's fine. I will work here anyway. Know me talk? Yeah, I'll talk. You don't want me to talk? I got dirt on all of y'all. I'll start with myself. My wife left me a year and a half ago. There, laugh it up. I slept in my car. Three weeks, Jerry saw it. Isn't that right, Jerry? Yeah, I brought you breakfast. Thank you so much for doing that, Jerry. That meant a lot back then. 
Um, I noticed on your Instagram, and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. About a month ago, you posted a picture with you and Steve Coogan, and you just looked like the biggest fanboy. Like, what was it like to meet him? It was amazing. You did look like a fanboy. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I was. Um, and I pretended to yeah. be a professional the entire time we were talking. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was probably, it was some of the best, best time, best hours I've spent in my life. It was like... Um, I went Aww. to the Four Seasons. We went and, and sat there. Um, I had met his executives Ooh, nice. um, at his production company, Baby Cow, when I was in London. Um, and I think they very quickly realized that I knew everything about them as a production company. I knew every single detail <laughs> of what they've been doing for the last 30 years. Love it. Um, and so uh, they said, oh, well, Steve's going to come out for the uh, Charlie Chaplin Award. He's accepting the Charlie Chaplin Award at the Baptist. Um, yeah. And so he was in town for that. And I went and sat and I said, um, I walked up, and he's shorter than me. He's, he's about an inch shorter than me. So I walk over and I see him, and, it, and it's him. It's the guy. <laughs> it's him. And I uh, and I said, Hi, I'm Jim. And he goes, Yeah, I know who you are. Do you want to sit? You want to see? And I was like, I'm. Steve. He goes, I'm Steve. Oh. And I go, Yeah, okay, go ahead. I sat down, and we sat in the same little booth for four hours, uninterrupted, just talking to each other about the craft wow. of comedy of. Um, how forensic the performance and pantomime can be. And it was on and again, off again, between the two of us, we were trading like open book secrets of how we were doing things. Um, right. And we, that's insane. Just that's absolutely insane. You're best. idle. You're sitting there with him and you've just It clicked. was terrible. Uh, we were leaving the, the lobby. We said, okay, well, we should go. It's four hours. Uh, so we, we go, and we're going to the lobby. Oh, by the way, sorry, stop for a second. Who paid the uh, bill? They did. Yeah, so it was great. It was, you know, yeah, it was great, great. They, they always did. Okay. Um, uh, I okay. walk through the lobby. Bong Joon-ho walks past us with his producers. Don't tell me he knows I, who no, you are as I well. Said, no, I said, uh, that's, that's Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> and Steve goes, who, yeah. and I go, this is Retro Parasite. You're Retro Parasite. He goes, oh, you should yeah. go say something. And I said, he's not going to know who I am. Go, You go talk to him. And then he had already disappeared, so he couldn't say anything. Yeah. But um, yeah. I said... Uh, that's so cute. That's like such a comedy moment. The two of you. you I was like, you know, you're more, you you're way more him. famous. Just go talk to him, and then I'll be able to come in and say <laughs> yeah. hi too. Um, yeah. Uh, and then as we were leaving, um, he he was getting ready for his yeah. flight or something, and I said, um, I said, mm -hmm. I hugged him, and I said, okay, be safe. And he said, be safe at the same time. And it was kind of like a, oh, okay. Yeah. And then um, he went to the elevators. I walk outside with uh, the executive of Baby Cow, and instantly burst into tears. Yeah. And then she says, are you okay? Oh. Are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. I'm great. That, that, it was the oh. guy. It was him. And then I gathered myself and t helped her at the valet and then and drove home. Um, yeah, he is That's so beautiful. So it's like you literally had that. Yeah. Wow, that is such a good moment because they say never meet your heroes. Yeah. Uh, well, what's great is, yeah, know? what's great is to 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 talk to a hero and to kind of tr like trade secrets of like how to do things. It's yeah. there's no magic to it, and I think that's a big thing that as mm. as somebody who's just coming up, they think that there are these rules or that or that you have to have some sort of special ability. It's just doing it a thousand times that makes you any good. Um, yeah. There's the old saying: um, the master has failed more times than the beginner has tried. Hello, I'm a communist with a gun. Uh, I hate you lot. I've just thrown the royal family out of a plane. Can I use your toilet? Utter, utter nutters. The Alan Partridge Show on Flip Your Wig. I'm Max. This week's guest, Jim Cummings, is made with Steve Coogan. Like, you lot are like besties now. I'm wondering when you lot hung out, did he say anything about Thunder Road? I mean, did he watch it? Did he give you any feedback? Yeah, he said, he said like, the fourth time I watched it, and I was like... Okay, I was like, which is crazy. Um, but he said, what, yeah. he, what he likes to do is he'll turn it on and then watch the other person watching it to see how they respond to the stimuli yeah. of like, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be sad? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a it is a weird thing. Um, yeah, meeting heroes. I, I I thought it was great. And then and the other thing is like, yeah. you think that you're not going to get along. But if you've been stealing their bits for the last 25 years, they have the same sense of humor as you do. So, of course, you're going to get along, you know? So honest. So honest. Stealing his bits. <laughs> I love you. You're too much. No, I think, like, for anyone that hasn't um, watched Thunder Road, you have to watch it. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful film. It's probably one of my favorites of last year. Oh, and um, the fact that you, you guys did it yourselves and kept that control and didn't let somebody come in and throw money your way and just say let us help you and you actually somehow god knows how you had the conviction to think you could do it and you guys kept going 
anybody can do it. I, I know that sounds crazy, but I know, it. I know. And you, you said that last time. Last time I talked to you, you were like, mm. I don't think you understand. I, I don't think you understand how special this mm. could be. Nice. No, but seriously, like, like I, I think I think really when you read it, when you watch a movie and then read a screenplay for the movie, it's like, oh, they thought about all of this stuff, that this stuff was going to work. But there's a thousand things yeah. that never work and you just have to do it. Like, I think we all kind of know what's mm. going to make our movies special. You just kind of have to race at that, to never be satisfied with the thing as it is it has to be perfect it has to be perfect and that that ambition to impress the audience to constantly wield their attention on the roller coaster is the one thing that makes any of it good but th that's just something it just takes doing it a bunch you know you made stuff for other people that you didn't necessarily passionately love but i read somewhere tell me if i got this wrong uh -oh. that you actually feel like there were lessons there they were good experiences. Now, looking back at it, it kind of helped you to get to where you are. Oh, were. yeah. Like, I, by, the time, yeah. by the time I was making the feature of Thunder Road, I had already done 10 single-take short films of my own in the previous year and a half, right. which is a crazy education. But then also, before that, I was a producer and a cinematographer for seven years. And so not only... Is this that college yeah, humor? Yeah, college humor. And then independently, I was an associate producer on Cretia. Mm -hmm. I was a producer of Grief of Others, Patrick Wang's film. Um, and I just learned mm -hmm. all of the jobs on a film set because we never had any money. So, like, right. I would have to set up lights and, you know, do all of these things. And just from that, it, like... By, by having done it myself to like roll a cable to set up a light, I know how long that's going to take. So by the mm. time I'm a director, I can go, yes. let's get a kicker up here and that'll be a nice hair light for this character. Like all of that stuff, you become like a machine. You, become, you understand how the thing functions. And those are so invaluable, mm. which is so heartbreaking to think that an entire generation of kids who are just graduating university right now will not have that for a yeah. few years. Like, film sets are just mm. so um, gross, and there's no way to maintain safe social distancing yeah. that that invaluable education of actually practicing the art form is going to be lost on people immediately graduating and it's um it's a it's a, it's a really crazy thing to think about the future of films that we're watching that might mm. have um less quality in a in a weird way a lot of the festivals that i've attended in the last two years at least um and making a decision to learn more about the independent scene because i worked so much in the mainstream world um what i noticed as well is that a lot of times people that are passionate and excited and full of ideas they go to these festivals and they sometimes feel robbed you know, huh. they're paying these ticket prices to get in there and get seen and, and they think they're going to meet this director and this producer and they don't. And what I learned, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's everyone's experience, but a lot of people have shared that with me. What I learned talking to you and a few other indie um, successful filmmakers was we stopped doing that. We weren't waiting on them to notice us. We just one day got up and thought, let's just do it. And if it's shit to start off with, it'll get better. And you're always in my mind when I'm thinking about even what we're doing at Flip Your Wig, that who are you waiting for? Who's going to throw a hundred grand your way so you can pay all your team? Or it's not going to, If it might happen, but it's not the way to necessarily work. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. My, my dad has an expression, you have to hunt the rabbit to eat. And it's true, like, you have to be the one going out to get the thing. Mm. And I think that's something that's yeah. amiss. Like, I, I know people who have made short films and go to short, giant film festivals. And they're like, well, yeah. like, out we send them high-res stills from our movie so that they can use it in their pitch packets when they go to film festivals to be like, the Thunder Road guys did it. Yeah. And, like, you can you can turn a short film into a feature. And then they're upset that, you know, a multimillionaire or, like, a giant agent isn't sitting in the... 120 person theater when it's screening and it's like well mm. i mean if you if if you're looking to do that like i i always say um there's a there's a facebook group called i need a producer and it has like 500,000 people worldwide and if you can just post yeah. in that and say hey i'm looking for a producer in my neighborhood if anybody wants to help me mm. make a film and uh, every time I send that to somebody, I never hear back from them, but they've made a feature, you know, in the last really? year. It's like, you get so much more just from like, like there's so many times that people reach out to me like, how do I do this? And it's like, you could Google what you yeah. just asked me and find a thousand good answers. Like, I think we're all just looking for mm. it to be 1970 
1970s Sundance where somebody's going to come in with a briefcase of money and buy your yeah. movie, and it's just not <laughs> the case anymore. You're drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm angry. I realize that. I'll calm down. No, I'll calm down. I lost my daughter today. For what? So I could impress you when I gave up my family. And the rest of it. What, you want my pants too? Fine. You can keep them. I don't care. You can't hurt me. You think you're hurting me? I found out she lost her boyfriend in Vietnam. I never asked her about it. What? I never made a dime. I was selfish. This is what you get. One thing that seems to have worked in your favour is having this kind of will of, look, it's all right if they don't care or they don't have time right now to care. Because who knows? That's the other thing. You can't hold grudges, can you? Because sometimes it's timing, it's it's whatever. And maybe in a year or six months, they may think differently. You managed to win at South by Southwest and then didn't you win also at Sundance? So those are two completely different festivals. And I'm sure... It took a process to get there. Yeah, and also, like, after winning Sundance with a short film, that was, uh, we won in January, and that was the worst financial yeah. year that I've had in my life, was that year, because I was going around okay. meeting people and, like, not actually making anything, and uh, that was completely valueless, basically. Like, it was it was mm -hmm. nice to meet people. It was, a, it was a wonderful compliment. They'd seen the short mm -hmm. films. I was going all around Hollywood. I had 75 general meetings with people. It was lovely to kind of introduce myself to everybody. Um... But really, for the most part, it never turned into a single dollar. And the only thing that got us to make the feature of Thunder Road was us launching a Kickstarter mm. campaign saying, hey, we're going to do yeah. this. Like, it, you kind of have to imagine that you are the studio and you don't need. And if you can do that, you'll be so much happier when studios yeah. don't come to you. You become the person that makes the decision mm -hmm. to say, yeah, we're going to do this thing in May. You know, it's like yeah. you, you kind of have to. But with Kickstarter, yeah. and I noticed. Vimeo, you have such a strong community on Vimeo, yeah. and you've really targeted real film fans. That's a, that's a specialist audience. They go to Vimeo for films. Yeah. So in a way, it kind of made me think that here's somebody that's actually thought about what they're doing. But am I right? Or I mean, was it just literally happy accident. No, yeah, really, we were so okay. lucky. Like, I, I think, I think with nice. when I was a producer, I was producing for this animator and director named Danny Madden. Um, he made a feature called Beast Beast that premiered at Sundance this year. A feature, um, and mm -hmm. I was making his animations and live action stuff um, for years before I was really directing anything on my own seriously. Um, and in working with him, he would make these short films and then post them to Vimeo and they would get staff picked. This was like 2009. This was like right after we graduated from college wow. and it got a million people to see his short film. And I was like, oh, well then this is, this is not as much mm -hmm. as I'm seeing on YouTube, but it's, it's the right community of people. And because he was doing so well and posting his stuff, yeah. he had people from Hollywood reaching out and saying, hey, do you have a feature script? Do you have something? And I was just like, okay, this could be a way in mm -hmm. to like show off to the people that you want to see the films um, or to take you seriously, that you can just put it onto this platform. And then we've been very lucky. I think Danny has like... 10 staff picked short films as of now like he's just been making these incredible short right. films over the last eight years nine years something like that that i've known mm -hmm. the guy um yeah. and and then because of that is able to get the capital together to make his his features it was all very lucky like uh and and like reddit is the same thing like mm -hmm. reddit is such an incredible community of people who just like cool really? stuff that that don't really yeah the, the kind of like um like, I mean, I've been a Redditor for eight years now, and, like, it's just set my... See, I've never... I'm really? not part of that world. Oh, it's but great. People, people always say they're the kind of B-side of the track because they're so cool for school and they're very critical. Is that unfair? No, that's very true. I mean, they're, they're, they are too cool okay. for school and they're very critical. And, like, I think that's the kind of audience okay. that I want to hit. I want to impress the people. <laughs> I want to make something that's incredibly impressive to, okay. to, to make something bulletproof that, that has to do... Um, but, yeah, no, that's been really great to kind <laughs> of, like... like to, There's a filmmaker's okay. subreddit... And people are always posting different stuff of, like, somebody will record okay. a bunch of a library of sound design and say, if anybody wants to use my library of sound design, it's free. Here it is. Mm. You can download it. And so I've downloaded That's four right. or five libraries of cool sounds and stuff um, that we use in our movies. Like, it's just a really incredible community of people that have struggled and will say, hey, I need help with this thing. Yeah. How do, who do I go to to help out with this stuff? It's a, it's a great community that I never had, really, in film school. Do you still ask for help? 
do you feel like now people look at you differently because you know you've had the success you you were on netflix over christmas yeah big deal yeah i was really excited to see, i mean i don't know how you felt when you saw it there were you like oh my god screen grab i know everyone was screen grabbing and sending you like the screen grabs but um how did that feel firstly getting netflix it was it was great. So I have to attribute all of that to Vertigo, our distributors in the UK, um, okay. and they have been okay. so supportive. But it was a perfect timing for Christmas. They are so incredible. I love that team so much. Um, mm. Holly, Holly you, is, is our you, favorite. Yeah. Holly is our favorite. She's so wonderful. Everybody, everybody on the team is great. Um, but uh, yeah. but I, I said on Twitter as soon as it went live. I think it was like the twenty third. I think it was like a couple of days before um, Christmas. Mm. Um, and I said if anybody like sends me a picture of their t- television screen with it playing i'll retweet it oh because it was uk wasn't yeah. it oh shoot I, I thought it was okay yeah All right, yeah and so and so people were sending me just mm. a thousand different pictures of living rooms and it was like christmas trees on and then my you know my ass in the parking <laughs> lot and like different funny things from the movie and so i was, I was retweeting all of yeah. it um yeah it was a really cool thing for a minute it was like a it, it was it felt like being at madison square mm. gardens or something like that it was nice did it royal did albert it make a hall difference? there you go right that's the that's the big yeah. one okay cool Even. yeah Wembley. Wembley. There you Let's go. Let's go Wembley. This is Thunder Road. <laughs> Come on, we need to go all the way. Let's just go to yeah. Wembley. Springsteen um, plays Wembley. Yeah. Did it, did it make a difference? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, so many people yeah? saw it. Um, so many people in the UK saw it just because it's on the front page. Like there is something to the yeah. real estate of that platform where. I had, we got a thousand mm. more letterboxed reviews from people who otherwise might not have mm. watched an independent film uh, with a 13 minute opening shot, you know, like it, it, it probably, it would have escaped the Transformers audience. Yeah. And so because of that, I was incredibly mm. thankful. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was a really cool thing. You did make money yeah. and you will continue to make money yep. because of the decisions you made. Yep. Yeah, it's again very lucky. We came up at a time where an aggregator stop saying lucky. Well, I mean, no, I mean, this has got to be some sort of no, like being but, smart but he, and talented here. Sure, but 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 the technology wasn't there yet, even four years mm. prior. So like, we, you yeah. weren't able to pay money to get onto iTunes through an aggregator, and the aggregator just started their service a few years prior. So we were incredibly lucky that we were the people to take the bet and say. I don't want to sell it to a distributor for half of the budget. Instead, I want to just do what that distributor would do to get onto iTunes or Netflix or Amazon and spend an extra couple of weeks with my team doing that. And so that's what we did, and we bet that that was... But Jim, even that sense to even think like that is quite brave. Sorry to cut you. It's really interesting because you're creative. Creative people aren't normally business people. Yeah, and, and that's how they get screwed over, and that's yeah. how that's how they end up having to make really goofy movies for money because they've lost mm. the the property that they own, their first movie. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Like like even the big people, Barry Jenkins, like for for Moonlight, they spent mm. nine million dollars, I think, trying to get that in an Academy Award, and so he's they're going to have yeah. to recoup that before he sees really any money. And like anytime he put like obviously yeah. he'll he'll make money from doing a commercial or doing any other new film, mm. but it's a weird thing to not be not be collecting any kind of money from the thing that made you who you are. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Can you just if you can just talk a little bit about how important that aspect has been for you to be able to continue to do what you do and how you did it. Yeah, sure. No, yeah, sorry. So I'll try, I'll try and make it quick. I'll try and make it quick. So, uh, so yeah, so we made the movie. It was, uh, $200,000, 190 grand, depending on which producer you ask. Um, and then, uh, (laughs) and then we won South by Southwest. We got into Cannes. We got a bunch of, um, Mm -hmm. uh, different territories who were interested. Um, we didn't really have somebody interested in doing a big global buyout like you would hear about. Um, so my producer, Benjamin Wiesner, started organizing lists of different buyers from around the world, from Wikipedia and from different websites, um, to find out who would be willing to buy just the streaming rights in Greece or the TV rights right. in the UK or things like that. And there are thousands, there are like five different rights that you can sell in each country. And so we basically just got a map of the world okay. and then started targeting all of the distributors who had put out 
you know, at least one movie from A24, which I kind of felt like was our audience of like, it's a lot of cursing. There's a lot of like, yeah. you know, I slap a corpse at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a movie that makes you feel <laughs> a whole lot. And that's kind of what I go to A24 mm-hmm. movies for. Um, so we sent screeners to yeah. all the different distributors and buyers in different territories, and they started making offers back. And within the year, yeah. we had recouped the budget of the movie with our streaming deal with Amazon and with all of these different buyers from around the world. And so now we're able to pay our investors back with um, interest, and then it just becomes something that we get to license to different outlets for the rest of our lives. And anytime I make a new movie that's a studio film or something else, people will say, oh, you should go and see the first movie, and that becomes another little spike in revenue. Um, Just in the way of, like, if if we were to to build a building, if, like, you were able to build an apartment Mm -hmm. complex, instead of selling it to somebody for half of the budget of what it costs to make the thing, you're just able to rent out and sell the property to anybody that you want for the rest of your life. So it just becomes a property that you manage. Um, It's Yeah, I think it's just how we all have to start thinking about it, especially now with the virus, mm. like, I mean, I think really everybody's going to start turning to production. Like, I got I got a, a message from one of my agents. Interesting. Uh, one of my agents yesterday texted me and saying, hey, I'm leaving the agency mm-hmm. and I'm starting my own production company and management company. And I'm seeing right. all of that happen now because it's like, well, the, mm-hmm. the infrastructure is falling apart. The buildings are falling down. Mm-hmm. Everybody, it's all democratized. Anybody can make their yeah. own things. It's just the best idea wins now. And that's great. It's, it's mm-hmm. democratic. Honey, honey, I, I'm really not going to be good at this kind of stuff. Yeah. You want me to leave the light on in the hallway for you? It's fine. All right. I'm going to bed, honey. Good night. I love you. I would love to talk to you a little bit about how you raise the money, because I think this is an area that a lot of people can learn from. And I find it really fascinating. Also, super inspiring that you did this. Now, I know you raised money through Kickstarter, but then you also got investors involved. So um, can you just break down like the whole process, please? So for Kickstarter, we raised $34,000 from people who just wanted to help out the film. Oh, from there. So, so, so that okay. was people who we were selling okay. like posters and t-shirts are the equivalent to okay. um and then because of so what about the investors? because of the yeah because of the kickstarter uh it ran out after 30 days and so after the 30 days people would find the page or find out that we were making a feature of the short film and say oh i still want to yeah. support how can i support and we would say oh you can buy a share of our company for twelve thousand dollars <laughs> and so yeah. we sold shares of the company of the of the llc that we created the company not the film exactly well, the company is the film basically it's like the screenplay is owned to buy the company okay. and then the company is the film so then we were able to sell shares to different people and then once the the income started coming in from the movie it all went into mm-hmm. the company's bank account and then we have quarterly or yeah quarterly disbursements to all the people that invested yeah. it's just like any other startup it's a it's a great way to do it so the film must have done really well it if you were able it, to pay all those investors and have money left for yourself to make three more films or two more films. Yeah. So, right? so yeah. I mean, really, the benefit of doing it this way was the fact that we were able to... So everybody so. was very happy that they were a part of the movie. Like, it, it wasn't... It was some, mm, Most people, when they give money to an independent film, are happy to get half of their money back or whatever. And it, ours was really great because we yeah. were able to give them their money back and interest, and it was just a fun investment. And that became this investor pool that we were able to be friends with these people for the rest of our lives who were very helpful when we needed it. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think I think it's done decently well. I mean, it's only been out for a year mm-hmm. and a half, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, and and, and yeah. that's the first year and a half. I mean, I'm going to live until I'm, you know, 70 or 80. It's a crazy, it's a crazy <laughs> thing. Yeah. So what's the plans? Like production company, you, you're editing. You've just said, um, you mentioned this, was it Where? The Werewolf. The horror film that you talked about? The Werewolf. To? Werewolf, yeah. yeah. There's that. Um, what is the plan then? Like, because you were going to go to Cannes potentially, weren't you? Because I remember you and I were having a conversation, and I was like, "Oh, this is exciting!" Before this happens, so what is the plan once these films are edited? Yeah. So, so the werewolf is done. It's like I finished the edit, finished the final cut, sent it to the studio. It's mm. theirs now. Done, done. That that is in their hands okay. to put out whenever whenever they decide. 
Um, so what did you do? Did you direct it? Did you start? Yeah, I, I wrote, I wrote, directed, and started it. It's like Thunder Road with a werewolf. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a funny kind of m- monster, <laughs> monster cop detective uh, movie. It's a fun one. Um, it's like Zodiac as a comedy, is what I say. Um, and then, okay, uh, <laughs> and then uh, we made uh, the Beta Test, which is a kind of Italian '70s horror movie, um, but it takes place in modern day. Hollywood, and it's about agencies. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's kind of like a Fifty Shades of Grey thriller uh, comedy. Oh, are you starring in this as well? Oh shit! Yeah. I hope you're not whipping or tying anyone up. Uh, no, but there there is one scene in particular that's <laughs> okay. like I I can't watch this with my mom. That's uh, that's yeah, <laughs> Donna, you're gonna have to sit oh, wow. this one out. You've made it. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! It was... You've done a film that you can't sit with with your mom. That's really bad. <laughs> What are you doing? Um, <laughs> is it nudity or is it full on like n- you being like? Yeah, it's full on. It's it's because you had your ass out in Thunder Road, right? Thunder Road, yeah. am I wrong? Yeah, no, you yeah, did. Yeah. Okay, is it? Yeah, so it's it's, yeah, it's a bit more. It's a weird movie about film industry and uh, lying. And so uh, PJ and I, PJ McCabe, my buddy and I co-wrote it and co-directed it. Yeah. And I'm editing it right now in the corner of this room. And then okay. we're hoping to get it to distributors in the next couple of months. So like once we get Picture Lock finally mm. in my apartment, we can start sending it to people. And so... So hopefully streaming. Yeah, I, can, so I would love to do to that. Like, if we could do a global deal with Netflix, I mean, that's a dream. I'm sure they're getting people knocking on their door <laughs> yeah. right now all the time being like, hey, you have to buy my movie. Yeah. Um, but ours is a really fun one. And yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to do that. I would love for this one. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like it, it would overlap with a lot of their audience. Um, you did the acting in Thunder Road just because it was the easiest thing to do to get the film done and get yeah. it out. And I remember you saying that the Hollywood, like, Hollywood were like, you need a bigger name, you need this person, yeah. that person. And I was like, but you were brilliant as an actor and that was a separate thing to your directing and writing. And now you've only gone and cast yourself again in two more films, which makes me think you're loving it. Yeah. Is definitely your it's, it's been funny because I get to pretend to be uh, a, an actor for a minute. And that's that's a funny thing. And I think, I think yeah, it's we've been very lucky that I've been able to do that. We've been able to make movies that are small enough that it doesn't necessarily have to be a big name. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. Like Mark Duplass said that. Um, he said mm-hmm. that he was able to, at a certain point, go to a studio and say, oh, and also I'm going to act in it. And then they're like, okay, cool. That means something. Yeah. And so like, that's been, that's been mm-hmm. really awesome to be able to make, make one feature that I'm decent in and then be able to say, okay, well, I want to yeah. do these other ones. And also trust me, I'm going to do a good job in front of the camera. Yeah. I want you to do something a little bit fun with you. I noticed that your inspirations are like fully eclectic and quite like random in a good way. Fight Club. Talk to me about this film and what it meant to you. Um, it was uh, taboo and dark and cool. And it mm. was, it, it really elevated yeah. my thinking about sequence editing and montage, that you could tell a story almost entirely in sequence editing. Instead of it being multiple scenes that go back, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a slew of different things. And I watched it again this year. And from the moment after he starts to fight and he says, let me tell you a little something about Tyler Durden, the next 45 minutes are just hypnotizing. You're just like sucked into the screen. Mm -hmm. And when I was 14 and that movie came out, when it came out on on DVD, I was just sucked in. I was like in the cult of Fight Club. And it's just it's it's so cool and so well crafted. And um, I think at that time I was in a community of like being a tough guy was a cool thing. And that was that, that was it. That spoke to me. Let me tell you a little bit about Tyler Durden. Tyler was a night person. While the rest of us were sleeping, he worked. He had one part-time job as a projectionist. See, a movie doesn't come all on one big reel. It comes on a few. So someone has to be there to switch the projectors at the exact moment that one reel ends and the next one begins. If you look for it, you can see these little dots come into the upper right-hand corner of the screen. This is the Flippy Rig Podcast. I'm Max. I hope you're enjoying the show. Um, a bit of Fight Club there. Jim Cummings, my special guest, that's one of his inspirations. A film that if you've not watched it, please watch it. Brad Pitt, Edward Norton and both are incredible in this. Now, that's an inspiration. And the thing I love about you is your inspirations are so, so very different. Let's go into this Pixar film that you absolutely adore, Inside Out. Tell me what it was about that that just connected with you. Probably my favorite movie. It's certainly my favorite animated film okay. because it is such an incredible Trojan horse where it 
teaches the, the audience about their brain and makes them feel things like comedy and tragedy while they're analyzing their emotions and to teach children, it's like a, it's disguised as a, as a kid's movie, but to teach kids how to better think about their emotions, be closer with their emotions is such an incredible gift to give yeah. to a society. And I've never mm. seen something from Disney like that. It's a it's an unbelievable gift to, to society that they did. And Bing Bong, that moment of um, uh, sing louder and then he jumps off. It's beautifully done and the music swells and it's yeah. just it's. They distract mm-hmm. you um, with the the craftsmanship of the cinema, um, and then you just from one minute laughing into just absolute heartbreak. It's beautiful. It's beautifully constructed. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude, old no, man. No, 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 brief. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. DEFCON 2. I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Yeah, well, look. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. The next inspiration for you as a creative coming through um, is really interesting because you're an American, obviously, but you love British humour, British acting, and we touched on Steve Coogan earlier, but I know you're a huge fan of The Office and Ricky Gervais, right? Performance. Uh, uh, like, okay. like the kind of humiliation that it takes of a character to go through for comedy reasons. Like it, to look at Ricky's performance in season one and season two, season two particularly of the of the British Office, it's just horrifying. And but to think of it for him to do to sacrifice his reputation for these jokes mm. to really lean into it to say something about the the terrors of office life and how horribly soul sucking that can be is such an incredible yeah. feat. And I just it I hadn't seen anybody compete at that level in American comedy, really. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell did a great job. Um, but then with Brits, there's just such a there's, it, it speaks to me in the same sense of like what I do, what I like to do with my movies of like setting up social standards and then bottoming them out yeah. like um, as a joke mm-hmm. and then coming back into them. A man hang like a shire horse. Oh, big, <laughs> aren't they? Big, magnificent animals. But I'm just, say what you mean, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just not sure you're going to find what you're after. Well, yeah. see, I'd ask you, but you're a bit old, really. There uh, is going to be a break. Born in the 30s. Yeah, 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 I'm 30s. I'm, I'm, I'm 30s. So. Yeah, but you've let yourself go a bit, don't you? I've let myself go a bit. Yeah. Let you yourself. You're an embarrassment. Jim Cummings is my special guest. All right, Jim, listen, to end with, I'm kind of, like, nervous to ask you this, but... What do you think the new normal is going to look like after lockdown? What do you think? Um, Come on, I then. hope it's not going to be a lot like this. Uh, so, yeah, so we're recording this on May 11th, uh, 2020. Yeah. Uh, we're in lockdown still. People are wearing masks. It's one person in a store at a time. No handshakes, no contact. Um, I, I think the new normal, mm-hmm. I think we're, yeah, we're going to have to lose the handshake. Um, in France, they're already saying how great it is that they don't have to kiss somebody on the cheek that they don't like because they have <laughs> bad breath or whatever. Um, mm. That's a good thing that they want to get rid of. Um, I don't know. I hope it's not film festivals. I, I hope I hope we still are able to, to return to, to these people who watch all of the movies around the world and then, you know, curate what's incredible, they think. Um, I don't know. The new normal will probably be something close to this. I think for the next few years, I think I think there's going to be a lot of animation production because animation you can do um, right. separately. I think uh, there's going to be uh-huh. a lot of um, yeah, kind of eventizing digital releases. I think the internet is going to be a wild west for a minute because it's kind of the only option that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the new normal mm-hmm. is going to be people making stuff of relatively lesser quality. Um, and us kind of all trudging through that together. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not really looking forward to that, you know. <laughs> I didn't. I was waiting yeah, for something. Yeah, you're hoping hopeful. Um, let's it was see. just getting worse to worse. Um, like you went from bad to positive. worse. Like positive. All... Um, yeah. I think. What about this reflection? Do you not think this time has also made us really value and appreciate? 
time with each other yep. and nature. Like when you go for a walk, looking at, I know it sounds really cringy to some people, but like just appreciating those birds that you hear in the morning. Yeah, it's great. And, and having meals the, together. the planet is going to do so much better without us. Like I think really like the, the fact that we were getting rid <laughs> yeah. of all the carbon emissions, like you can see the trees are greener, the flowers are blooming this yes. spring. Um, the, the planet can finally mm. breathe. Um, yeah, it is It is a good thing for almost everything, and I can't wait for a time that we can all appreciate it. And I think, let's say there is a, a case of a vaccine, and it's able to be mass-produced, and people can take it. Um, it will be great to be able to go to a dinner party, and I think I'm just going to want to put my hand on mm -hmm. everybody's shoulders just to kind of, like, any time I'm talking. I think really? I think in the future, it's just going to be a lot of <laughs> touching and just like, oh my God, I finally, it's not, mm. you're not the couch in my house, so it's, you're mm. a person, and I, get, I love you, and you're wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking time out like i really really appreciate it thank you for having me it's always a pleasure max anytime i can come on and help out let me know thank you hey honey why are you wearing makeup stop i'm gonna be late it's fine no you're in fourth grade honey they're gonna send you home why are you wearing all that it's fine plenty of girls wear makeup it's not a big deal i just thought that if i'm starting in a new class i should at least be one of the pretty girls what are you talking about, honey? You were one of the most beautiful girls in your grade last year. That picture of you at the lake? No, I have your jaw and I have your eyebrows. I look like a boy. Well, you look like a model is what you look like, honey. You don't get to pick that stuff. You get what you get and you don't get upset. You don't see me complaining. Guys, it's such an incredible film. I cannot say this enough. It's called Thunder Road. It's by this week's podcast guest, Mr. Jim Cummings. Jim, thank you so much for taking time out and just hanging with me. It was an absolute pleasure. You know how much I love you. You're, he's just always so very open and so honest and just not like being like, I know all the secrets. I'm not going to tell you lot how I did it. No, 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 no. Instead, he's actually like, here you go, guys. This is how I did it. Now you go and do it. And I love that attitude. I'm really excited about his new films. Although, the one where he's playing a bit of a Christian Grey character a bit Fifty Shades filthy sounds a little bit random but I feel like you could pull that off actually Jim so we'll keep you posted as soon as we know when they're going to get released for those of you that haven't checked out Thunder Road yet I have great news it is currently available on iTunes also Sky and Amazon so enjoy feel free to leave a comment we'd love to know what you lot think about the new podcast we're only on episode 2 also catch up on the previous one with BAFTA award winning Mark Jenkin um, and make sure you subscribe because it means that you'll get an alert and a reminder when we upload a new um, episode rather than looking and you know we all are doing like a hundred things so it's so nice to just know oh new podcast from Flippy Week great I'm going to check that out so um, don't forget to subscribe sending you all lots of love take care and we'll see you soon bye Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.